Testing one, two. Okay. Invite people. Welcome to the Cheryl and Shirley show. Today, Cheryl and Shirley are here with Corey Tomchik. He is running for the 29th Senate District seat that was held by Jerry Petrowski for many, many years. So we are going to welcome Corey. We're going to let Corey introduce himself and maybe just tell us a little bit about his background and why he's running. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I'm running for the state Senate because I'm I'm not a guy to sit around on the sidelines. I'm not a guy that's going to uh, wait and, and hope things get better. I'm, I'm a guy to take action. I guess I could back it up by saying I know how to get things done. I created a small business from scratch, kept that small business running for 32 years, employing people and providing services to North Central Wisconsin. I'm ready to continue to give more. Hey, tell us a little bit about your business, Corey. What is it that you do? Well, I own a company called Iro. Like I said, my wife and I started this business 32 years ago. I was working a, a second shift job at, at Colby & Colby Millwork. Uh, the state of Wisconsin was instituting its uh, recycling law. All that the media was talking about at the time was, oh, the poor homeowner, how are they going to deal with recycling? And I thought, well, the homeowner's going to get told what to do by the garbage hauler that serves them. It's the businesses that are going to have to make choices and need service. And I was right. Went out and started talking to some people that own businesses. And they said, you know how to recycle? And I said, why, yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) I started collecting papers and took us three months to make a semi-load of something sellable. I stuck with it for two years, working second shift, collecting stuff during the day. Got to a point where we either had to kill ourselves or or go into it full time. My wife said, yeah, let's do it. We lived off of her salary. A year later, she went to part time. And a year later, she was on board with the company. We are today. That's fantastic. So why are you choosing to run for... Senate. I tell people I'm just dumb enough. Pretty good answer. I would never talk thought about running, and I've had people ask me to run for different positions, but I wouldn't run against a sitting Republican, and I've always been represented by a Republican. I've been re- represented by Jerry Petrusky when he was in the Assembly, and then when he became state senator, I was represented by John Spiros when he took over uh, Jerry's seat in the Assembly. I not, never saw that either one of them did anything egregious that would make me want to say, oh, I, I'm going to get that guy out because we need somebody better. No, they did a fine job. Maybe sometimes when I wouldn't have voted the way they voted on certain issues, but I was I had a good enough relationship with them to call them and tell them that, and they'd listen and tell me, well, but did you know this? Did you know that? And, and to be fair, I wasn't sitting in the the state chambers, hearing all the things that they might hear. Uh, they, I think overall that they they have done a good job. When Jerry well, announced his retirement, that was my opportunity to try to serve. Okay, well, that's great. It, what's interesting about that is that you know that already, that you had relationships built with these people. So when you, if you happen to win the election, if you take over that seat, then you understand that you can listen to all constituents and you need to make sure that you understand where they're coming from. And you had the chance of doing that with your own Senate and Assembly people. So it makes it a little bit easier to understand the relationship and to be able to talk to people. Yeah, if, I, if you can't do that, you have no business being in Madison. No, you don't. That's what I was going to ask is, so what about your business? What are you going to do? Are you, do you have people there that can manage it and take over? And I know they're only in you know session for a certain amount of time, but running a business and being there to vote correctly is. That was why I was, the, I was late into the race. You know, the other two people in this primary were in for a full month before I was in. I had a talk 
with four different sitting senators, state senators that own businesses. I said, Hey, you know, how do you do it? And every, each one of them had a different variation and different businesses. And I was able to talk with them and determine that, yeah, I have great confidence and I, and I am truly blessed with the team of people that, that work with me here for the time that I need to be away. And if I'm elected, the business is going to run and the customer service is going to not falter, I'll be able to serve and, and hang on to the business. I'm not, I'm not ready to retire. What sets you apart from your from the other two people that are running for the primary? That I'm a conservative. Okay. I don't know how to say it any, any more plain than that. I, f- I really feel strongly that my values align well with the people of the 29th. In all the election high points, when you talk about the Second Amendment, and you talk about election integrity and abortion, uh, all that stuff. Born and raised in north central Wisconsin, I, I'm, I'm like most everybody else in the district. And you and I had kind of talked a little bit before, you know, I thought what was interesting was that you are in the party, you've been in the party for a while in the county parties, and that you have kind of tried to keep county people involved and active in other counties that you do Zoom meetings and things like that, which I think is a really good idea. And it's a great outreach. And that can even continue if you are elected, you can continue to do that finger on the pulse of what's going on in all the counties because we, you know, the area is huge. That's a gigantic district. It is a gigantic district, but, but it is only four counties. Yeah, the Zoom meetings you referenced, through being active politically, I've met other county party leaders, came to the realization that, geez, you know, you got a neighboring county. Well, I'll just pick on Clark County. But here, the, the chair of Clark County didn't really know who the chair of Marathon County was. <laughs> so yeah. How are we going to accomplish anything by, like that? Invited all the counties that touched Marathon to a Zoom meeting. It was well received. And we actually actually met in person with most of them once. We continued to doing Zoom meetings and expanded it out. And some, some months there was a lot of people there and some months there was only a few. At least they got to make the connections and they got to share ideas because we have county party leaders that are well-versed, well-experienced. And we got county party leaders that are brand new. Getting them to talk to each other, sharing what works, what doesn't work, coaching them up, giving them an giving me opportunity to create a relationship so that they can call them up and say, hey, hey, Bob, this is what's going on. Have you ever had run into this? I think is important and, and invaluable to growing the party, not only in the county, but in the state. But also builds relationships with people that are like-minded and that you can uh, rely on. You know, right. you can call them and you can talk to them about what the issues are, what, what your thoughts are. I think that's a really good idea. Thanks. <laughs> I think it should stay in because well, sometimes know it does. that you talk all the time and I never get a chance to talk. That is not true. Your turn. Tag. I, I see, Corey, you're going to be in the uh, Sawyer County area on, and maybe I have this wrong, on uh, July 7th. Yeah. Attending, are you attending the Sawyer County Republican Reagan picnic or are you attending the Patriot um, Shindig at the Sylvan Barn? I better get my calendar open. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be at, at the picnic on Thursday night. I also have the Saturday night at the Sylvan Barn on my calendar as well. Uh, maybe I have the information wrong. I don't. Ha- I can't find it. Now I've got the, the Sylvan Barn event on Saturday night. Okay, and, and that's on the ninth. And that's uh, Patriot Patriots United uh, Faith and Freedom. Yeah. Are you part of that organization, or they just invited you and you said yes? Yeah, I'm just invited. They've let me on their Facebook page, so there was there was no initiation process. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's kind of nice. Yeah. I did invite you to the meet and greet for that Friday at the VFW, but if you're coming up there two times, it, it's long. I know it is. It's like, what, a three-hour drive one one way? Three hours one way. I remember that that's, it's a very long district. Uh, I understand three days in a row might not work yeah, out too I, well. I, I can tell you that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, just make sure that you leave information then on uh, at the picnic that you're going to be at in Sawyer County. It gives people a chance to learn about you. In fact, I'm going to be this weekend. I'm going to be in Marshfield at the uh, We the People event from Central Wisconsin Freedom Fighters on Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, we have the Big June Dairy Breakfast in Marathon County on Sunday morning. And then the Muskie Fest Parade in Hayward. Uh, one o'clock that afternoon. Good. Fest parade's a good one to be at. Well, I uh, think it's mostly out of towner, so I, I don't always agree with you on that one. Yeah, you don't think it's good for candidates? You think it's mostly out of towners? I think, well, yeah, there's a lot of out of towners. And a lot of the people that live here don't go because we just don't want to get into all that traffic and it's just busy, busy, busy. I ran as a candidate many times and I was in that parade every single time. I actually ran that parade for a couple of years. And I will say that you do have out-of-towners, but you also do have a lot of local people that go, you know, they have their lawn chairs out there. They've done it for 50 years. Sure. So you're going to get some local. And, and when we did get local, you know, it was kind of fun. There are also many people come to town. It's like, kind of like they do their uh, homecoming for, you know, school um their reunions they kind of line it up around that time so a lot of people that don't live there anymore come back the families get together and stuff so i think that's kind of what they do i walked the edgar fireman's parade mm -hmm. handing out the sports schedule talking to people politicians shaking hands and kissing babies type of thing mm -hmm. well i gotta tell you edgar put on one hell of a parade they had two marching bands and they had three or four bands on floats they had classic cars they had fire engines and trucks from i don't know where they all came from glad there wasn't a fire that day people passing out beer <laughs> off of the floats wow and there was two different floats giving out ice pops uh, it was it was impressive it really was impressive musky fest doesn't do that but no 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 beer well they have it the night before they do have a big you know and the rotary and lions club always do beer tents let's ask a little bit about education uh shirley and i just recently did a podcast and we talked a little bit about pronouns what's going on in schools right now and of course we are from a different generation so it's very difficult for us to understand but we kind of want to know where people that are going to be elected and serving where they stand on these kind of issues as well and so maybe education and how parents teachers all that works we all know there's good teachers we all know there's great parents and we know also that the educational system is suffering i couldn't agree more i don't have time nor patience for alternative pronouns i'm sorry i was raised that a man is a man and a woman is a woman that's just how i feel and there's going to be no talking me into that and i will probably upset somebody because i'm, I'm not going to pretend that someone is something that they're not put that right out there uh, as far as education uh, i can tell you that i am a person for universal school choice we should be the tax dollars that are, are attached to or appointed to a child to educate a child should follow where that child wants to go to school if they want to go to a private school that's uh, you know a religious-based catholic 
Lutheran, you know, what have you, then the tax money that's allocated for that child should follow that child and support that education process. If that child wants to be homeschooled, then that monies should go to that home to support the education of that child in that home. And if that child wants to go to public school, the money should go to the public school. The, the parent should have that choice of where that child's going to get the best education that they feel. And I think that's going to create some competition. It's going to give these schools a little incentive to make darn sure that they are producing the best product that they can. And that product is in the form of an educated child. And have you had any look at their curriculums where they're talking? And I forgot what they call it. That's it. Yeah, I got, um, no time. I got no time for that either. I'm sorry. There's no place for it. That's part of societal rot to teach kids that. I don't know what to say other than it's wrong. It's just not right. So what do you see as the major issues in the 29th district? Major issues in the 29th district. I don't know that there's anything that's uh, that stands out. You know, we need to jump jump up and down and shout from the hilltops. I think we need to protect the core of the 29th. That's farming and manufacturing and natural resources, all the things that we hold near and dear to having you know, living in a beautiful part of the country, but also being able to have a job and, and have an economy in a beautiful part of the country. Yeah. Inflation has to be hitting you as well with the business. Yeah. I've got, what, 12 different diesel trucks running. Mm. Yeah, it's not helping. And actually, and really to be fair, it's, we're passing that cost on. You know? Well, of course, that's what you have to do. Doesn't make it any easier. It's ugly. The shortages and the, the things that you can't get in Brandon's America are just infuriating. Batteries, certain batteries, filters for trucks, the deaf fluid getting to be a critical item. Heck, I can't get wire for tying bales of cardboard off on a regular basis. It's nonsensical. And do you see any plan to get people to get back to work? It just seems like there's nobody taking these jobs and you can't tell me they all died during COVID. Well, they didn't die during COVID, but if if there are people out there that are still living on a handout from the government for no good reason, that that should end end yesterday. That needs to come to a screeching halt. Although I don't know the statistics. I don't know how many people there might be out there that are still living on a, a handout from the government because of COVID. Good Lord, if you can't get a get a decent job today, especially around the you know bigger market cities. Holy cow. I mean, there's help wanted signs all over. And it, never before in the history of mankind has it taken so little effort to stand out above the crowd of potential employees than it has right now. Just show up for work every day. You're a rock star. A lot of these young kids just don't have that initiative or that get up and go. It's like, man, I didn't feel right, so I didn't come in today. Work ethic, I believe. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd have been on my deathbed before. We had a conversation with someone running for an assembly seat recently. He did talk about broadband broadband in the area and how he fought that in his county during the COVID. uh, There was about 30% of the children that live, you know, maybe 10 miles out and none of those kids could do any schoolwork because they could not get any internet. I kind of wonder what you think about that. That's an issue for the Northland. I will tell you that. Someone who lived in the Northland a long time and surely can attest to that too. And also the fact that the money that we've received from the government federal to the state has not been handled maybe like it should be, like it's expected to be. I heard the money needs to be uh, used and how many people called into Department of Workforce Development. We We all know this, like sitting here talking right now, we all know that we have a governor that is very far left liberal progressive. And he is not doing anything 
really and truly to help. Oh, it's very frustrating. Oh, I thought Tony Evers <laughs> cares about everybody. Are you telling me that's not true? <laughs> I'm sorry to be a smartass, but it is, it's infuriating to see that money wasted or, or some of the things that are a monetary priority. Governor Evers should be making monetary priorities for some of those basic things. I don't know enough about the issue of, of internet but I do know that if we're spending money and the, the or we're getting money from the feds, which was our money anyway, we're getting it back. We're spending that money inappropriately in other ways, or we're applying it to a task inappropriately, that that needs to stop. So let's say, for example, the monies that are allocated by county, by population for broadband infrastructure building. I'd rather see the priorities go on. The number one priority would be the population in the uh, or the less dense counties. Rather than money going to serve somebody like Milwaukee or Dane County or Racine County, where there's a lot of people, I about guarantee you they got internet already because you know there's more targets for those businesses that provide internet services. Where we need it is where there's less people. We need to make it more attractive to get that broadband out to those people so they have just as equal access as the people in those bigger, more populous counties. I think you were talking about the fight that uh, Taylor County, I learned this on the campaign trail, that Taylor County built their own infrastructure. Then they, they're leasing it back to a uh, internet provider, and it looks like they're going to end up making money in a, in a few years. What a great model. Uh, let's duplicate that and let's utilize, leverage the monies that are allocated by the feds to broadband to get more of that going on within our counties and within our Northwoods areas so that kids and businesses and grandmas that want to watch videos of their grandkids have that accessibility. Do I ramble too much? No, you don't. No. Okay, I good. was just waiting for Shirley to say something. Giving her her turn. Well, when I want my turn, you got to be quiet. Okay. I didn't want my turn right now. Did any of that make sense to you, ladies? Yes, it makes perfect sense to me. Well, the sad part, you know, I was not born and raised here. I came from a suburb of Chicago where everything was at your fingertips. And granted, we only have 17,000 people that live here all year round. But, you know, on any given weekend, you got 40,000 people here. And I would just think that there would be more of an opportunity to have better, better internet, to have better services. You know, I won't get into the medical part of what's going on now. But it's just very hard for us to conduct business. And when COVID happened, you know, 10 miles out, there's no internet. And I just find it hard to believe that this area hasn't done better. Well, that, that area hasn't done better because they haven't had someone fight hard enough for them or I don't want to say that they haven't made enough noise. You know, I often say on the campaign trail, Donald Trump's not going to make America great again because he's not in office. He's not president. It's us. It's people. It's the common man. Their involvement, their activity, they're getting involved in, in local, county, state, all that kind of stuff. That's what's really going to bring that get America, make America great again back. Could be as simple as uh, attending the uh, curriculum committee meetings for your local school district. That will have an impact. People think it might not, but it will. I guarantee you. Public starts showing up at uh, the local school district's curriculum me meeting. Oh, boy. You'll get attention real fast. Yeah, it seems years ago that, um, you know, when you had your PTA organizations or whatever they became later on, um, I have no children. So I just remember some of that from when I was younger. It just seemed like these last several years, it's kind of gone by the wayside. The parents just let, let everything up to the schools, you know, let them make the decisions. In all levels, we've moved away from government by the people. We need to get back to that. We, we now have government by the perpetual politician or by the 
the paid professional. We need to get back to government by the people for the people. And we can get we can start heading in that direction. Things will get fixed real fast. Well, I think we all lived under uh, President Trump, and it was definitely a much better time. That's kind of what I ask people all the time: is Are you better off now than you were? Eighty-five percent of the people will say no. Something needs to change. Feel that we are going to move towards hopefully a record red wave and we will get people in there that are new and that are really eager to serve. I think that's what we've lost is the statesmanship of serving. It's not a power uh, grab. And I just am going to tell you right now, I mean, I spoke to someone who's running for Senate uh, or that is a senator in a different district running for something else now. And he told me that thought it was going to be great. I get there, you know, I got a nice new senator smell to me and (laughs) I sit down and Um, Next thing I know is two days later, I don't know a darn thing. Learn it all. You know, you can go in there as strong as you want and as strong as you think. You you have to maybe learn a little bit too. And that's okay. There is a learning curve. And just like you said, when you talked to the senator who was there before, you know, you didn't agree with everything. And maybe that's what you're going to find is there's going to be some things that you don't agree with. And leadership sometimes can lead Uh, differently than what you would like. And it is a uh, struggle sometimes. So I just know that some people do have a harder time. And I want to make sure that whoever is elected for that district, because I lived there for many, many years, and I appreciate the Northland more than most people know. And I always will. I am very strong and opinionated about that area. I want them to have someone that will lead and that will lead by example, will open their mouth for the Northland. It's very important. Amen. What office are you running for? (laughs) No. It sounds sounds good. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, but no, thank you. (laughs) Not interested. In this day and and age. As I started this interview, I'm just dumb enough. I just really think it is a tough gig right now. I really do. I think it's a tough gig for anyone going into politics. It's a tough gig for people running right now. Like you say, I mean, we have people coming out from the woodwork, which is fantastic. I'm grateful that we do. I heard uh, that we had like over 500 people win in many local elections in April in the state, and 300 of those were new seats. That's fantastic. That's awesome. you do. It really is awesome. I do believe that uh, we do need change. And, you know, we are the ones, you, like you say, we have to stand up. When you believe in something really strong, you have to stand up and you have to say it. I think it's important that when we look at these these elections and you got people coming in and jumping in, people casting the votes have to look at more than just a yard sign. You have to do a little bit of digging and, Jesus, pretty easy to go on Google and find out who people are. Thank God we got you, you know, doing the podcast. You're you're giving a look, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak, a more personable interview with uh, the candidates. They got to look at who they're going to put in those positions. They all matter. They all are going to have an impact. And we don't want to put another Justice Hagenhorn in the seat who changes as he goes. We want someone who's going to be strong, who's ready to fight, and who can stand up for their for their beliefs and their principles. I think it's important people understand. I mean, you look at the ticket. We got how many people running for governor? How many people running for lieutenant governor? Hell, we got three people right in this race. People need to do their homework and, and make a good choice moving forward because we have to continue to build on, on what we had in April, build as we're going forward. Surely. I'm either saying good stuff that you guys like or I'm bombing terribly and you guys are like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> no, I'm just waiting for her to start talking. 
<laughs> I didn't have anything I wanted to say after all that. Well, I thought maybe you'd start talking about maybe the uh, food shortages or something like that, or gas prices. Or Well, I don't think his position can help with food shortages and gas prices. I think that's more for a congressman or a state senator. It is. I agree. I mean, he's he can't go and get, you know, now as the state senator, he maybe can give us a little reparation on, you know, the gas tax. But how long is that going to last? What's that word you just said? I don't like that word. Gas uh, tax or what? What was the other word? Reparations. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knew what she meant, but yeah. I was just I was just poking a stick at her a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, them poor people, they they, they need a little break, you know. Well, I do think, yeah, the state gas tax. I mean, they could do something about that. And that may um, be something that they work on. I don't know. You know, so, um, the, you the know, big thing is taking the, taking the freebies away from the people who can't, who, who need to work. I don't know if this is appropriate for you ladies, and you have to tell me. And I'm glad that you're editing all this. You know, one of the people running in this race, Brent Jacobson, he ran against John Spiros in 2018. And it takes just a simple Google search to look at some of the stuff he said in 2018. And one of the things that he was for was indexing the gas tax to inflation. If Mr. Jacobson would have been elected and able to convince Madison to do that, inflation would have put us paying another six cents per gallon uh, of tax today. And I tell you, I, I, people say, well, tell who's, who's all running? I said, well, we, have, we have a Republican running, a, a, a nice young man from Ladysmith, John Kaiser, who I, I like. He's young and he's got a hard road to hoe because he's you know, in the district, the makeup of the district, most of the votes are in the Wausau area. That's just the population is heavily weighted down there. Um, so living in Lady Smith, it's, it's a hard, hard distance to get and reach all those voters. But I like John. He's full of energy and he's, he's trying. So I, I give him respect for that. We have Mr. Jacobson who's running as a Republican. I'm not sure that I believe he's earned that mantle. And you have a conservative. And that would be me. So I think it's pretty definitive choices that the people of the 29th have if they do their homework if they look at who who we all are and going back to food shortages and that we expect to have here shortly um you know helping our farmers here in the state of wisconsin so that um, they can get out there and grow their crops and be able to take care of us i think we have to all be taking care of our, ourselves first and i think that unfortunately there's a whole generation of maybe a couple generations uh, that couldn't grow a bean plant to feed themselves some beans. I was raised with having a family garden and we still have one today. We raised chickens. Now that we're empty nesters, we, we raise chickens every other year because we fill up the freezer and eat for you know two years and then get another batch of chickens. I think that we've got to get back to that and, and people got to have a way to, to help augment the food supply always have to protect the farmers we always have to help them especially when we're under attack by other nations with fertilizer shortages if it gets really bad we have to be creative say geez you know we can't open spread uh, manure on fields because the dnr says that you know that creates a runoff problem well, what would you rather have, a, a runoff problem or food on the table? It gets that bad. As a state senator, I can't impact you know where we're getting the minerals and chemicals for creating fertilizer, but I surely can maybe ease some regulations that can help a farmer out a little bit. I can't do much about gas prices. I can certainly work with other senators and, and the legislature, and hopefully, God help us if we don't get Evers out of office. But we're going to have a Republican governor that's going to maybe be able to team with other governors and, and create some packs or some buying blocks that are going to be able to help ease the, the cost that the federal government doesn't seem to give a damn about. 
It is a scary time when you really think about it. My concern right now is really the children and educating them. My son has grown and married. You know, someday I'd like to have grandchildren. And thinking about that, I mean, Shirley does have grandchildren who are grown. Now you think about that and you say, what kind of a education are they going to have? And if you're paying taxes, I do believe also in school choice. And I believe the money should follow the child. And if you choose to send your child to public school, I do believe the money should go there. But I also believe that there should be the curriculum should be certainly uh, overviewed. I also am concerned about crime. Crime has definitely increased. Now, crime in the rural areas. I'm not really positive about crime in the cities is something we need to make sure we pay attention to, too. And support our police, our law enforcement, all of our first responders. Those are huge issues with me. You know, I got their back because they got mine. I say people. Drug problem in North Woods is very prevalent. It's terrible. Money's money's to fight that. Again, you know, we, we shell out the, the money maybe based on population, but maybe we have to look at the spread of population because it's a whole different, whole different problem. Like that somebody in Milwaukee County, yeah, well, we got a lot of people on top of each other. And yeah, you've got that kind of problem when you got people stuffed together, but you have a whole different set of problems when you got people spread apart. Doesn't make the problem any less. The, nope. the children of Northern Wisconsin should be as protected as the children of downtown Milwaukee. How do you do that? I don't have that answer. I, with that discussion, I'm not afraid of. We have, uh, we've had experienced quite a few um, ODs in this area over the last couple couple years. I mean, I think we've had more overdoses than we've had car accidents. That's yeah, it just makes it sad. that Unbe- uh, Unbelievably sad. That, you know, parents have to experience this but then again you know i've always said that parents have to be to some extent responsible for their children this is true we have to take an active role in raising those children we have to stay involved and we have to sometimes you got to make tough decisions i have personal experience in that we've had to make tough decisions for one of my sons and, and thankfully the lesson was learned it was a painful time, the lesson was learned. So you have to be a strong dad, you have to be a strong mom, and you have to stand your ground and say, this is not behavior that we think is right, and it's going to hurt you in the long run. You can't coddle them, you can't do everything for them. At some point, they have to grow up and be adults. doesn't mean they're still going to make good choices. They're their choices, and they have to hold them accountable. That kind of goes to all the talk about limiting gun purchasing to the age of 21. My question to many people is, you let them go to war, um, you let them vote, but they're not smart enough to have a gun at 18, 19. You can't buy cigarettes. I mean, I guess you can, I think you gotta be 21 now to buy cigarettes. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't even have a start for that discussion because it's not the gun's fault. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. It's not the gun's fault. It starts with the, the human and it starts with the, how the human was raised. It starts with where the human is in this world. It starts, I mean, it starts with bullying at school at a young age, but it's not the gun's fault. If it was the gun's fault, you know, I wouldn't have guns, but all mine are apparently defective because they've never, you know, tried to go out and kill somebody. Well, I think we need to look at mental health issues as well, something that's uh, affecting. And I do believe through COVID, too, studies that have shown that it has increased drastically through that time. And I can imagine when you look at the kids, I mean, you think about they didn't get to go to school. I, I had a conversation with a young man from college who talked about he started college 2019. Well, then the spring of 2020 comes along and he was like, oh, sweet. You know, they're telling us we're going to get two more weeks off for spring break. Well, then 
no school, you know, you're not in school now for another year and a half almost. And then when you go back, it's masks and just very different and people don't want to communicate. They don't want to, you're not getting the, the experience that you would normally get. And I'm not saying that every kid needs to go to college either, because we've talked about that as well. And I do believe that that's part of the workforce problems too. Uh, I just listened to a podcast today with uh, Mike Rowe, and I, I love his foundation and what he does. Yeah. And I believe in that 100%. I just think we need to work on some of these issues because really with the guns, it's always a young man that got picked on or bullied or whatever and doesn't have a very good home life. And the mental health is something. It's usually someone will say, you know, their neighbors, oh, well, yeah, he was always kind of odd. There was always issues with him. His parents always had problems. It, there's always something. And even the kids know it. So someone, you know, that see something, say something. I don't know if that's happening anymore or what, but we have to do something about that. What do you think about the idea that it is a scenario where the, I guess, the bastardization of, of the law in some cases so if we have someone who has a problem or has a past and we restrict them from buying a gun, we're, we're trampling on their rights. I can see that argument, but the, the, the rights of people to, to be safe, how do you dance through that? Well, now we're going to sue the people that are getting in the way. So someone can't say, yeah, this guy's got a mental illness. They can't go on record. They're afraid to go on record. They're afraid to put their, their license on the line because they're going to be attacked for standing up blocking someone. How do we protect them? So this issue is you know, multi-layer complicated where we, you know, we're trampling on everybody's rights. And, and I, I get the argument. I get each that side. doesn't make it acceptable either. There's a way through that. We have to have those hard discussions. We have to address those problems. Discuss them in a, in a method that moves the needle in the right direction. Yes, because it's very hard. Um, I worked in the domestic violence field for a couple of years, and, and we'd have husbands, boyfriends that said, I'm going to kill her. She's not going to live. I mean, she's not going to be with somebody else. We're going to kill her. And of course, the courts, you know, the, the police can't do anything until he actually does something. Yeah, that's 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 nuts. And 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 so now you've got kids that you know have issues, and teachers don't want to say anything, or the neighbors don't want to say anything. The police will tell you can't do anything because he hasn't done anything. So and, and what what it's going to take is is some strong leadership to have those discussions and bring that issue forward and force people to talk about it. If if I'm the guy that the 29th chooses to talk about that at the state senate level, we have to take those actions, and those aren't easy conversations. And you can't have a wimpy politician that doesn't want to address those issues because they're awful big issues. Yes, because you're going to upset the apple cart for a lot of people. I'm not worried about upsetting some people. I think that happened in 2016. The apple cart got flipped totally over. Mm. Yeah. So I hope, Corey, that you are focusing on 2022 and working hard towards that and making sure that we get people elected that will represent us properly in Madison at our state. Much of what the issues are could be handled by state. I like local and state better than I do federal government stepping into anything of ours. I'm right there with you, and that's that's why I decided to run. I think I have something to offer. I think I can help. If you'd like to say a couple more words on why people should vote for you and how to get a hold of you or where they can find out more information, why don't you do that? And then Shirley can take us out. And we appreciate you doing this. That, yeah, that was my question about the Patriot Party, because I tend to think that they and I don't know this for a fact that they live kind of in the past. You know, Trump's going to come back and 
save the day. And uh, well, I I, I can tell you to 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 address the the, the election and looking back, the, the the line that I've used on the campaign trail is that you know autopsies aren't performed to bring the dead back to life; they're performed for the you know to gain knowledge, to uh, you know for closure, and for Autopsies are performed to gain knowledge, to to seek justice and for closure. And so, you know, I'm all for a forensic audit of the past election. I don't think it's not going to bring President Trump back. I'd love that, but it's not going to happen. But we have to put people's minds at ease, no matter what your opinion on it is. If we're going to have good uh, elections and we're going to have people that are going to want to get out and vote, We've got to reach to those people and, and say, here's what we found. And this is a rumor or this is fact. And this is what we're going to do. Now, I think it's evident that the legislature has tried to pass a whole bunch of things in election integrity and, and Governor Vito has shot them all down. But we we have to keep you know looking for that and, and understanding what exactly went wrong. There were too many anomalies. And and, and then you look at the, those, the movies that have come out, uh, you know, 2,000 mules and, and rigged. And I don't know how you can ignore that type of stuff. Uh, I'm all for looking forward. And I am I am working hard on the campaign, trying to get elected. Uh, and I, I want other people to get elected. And I will work for other people to get elected as well. But I think at the same time, we can't ignore that kind of chaos. Hugo Chavez, when he first became the power, was only elected by, a you know, a small margin was a winner by a small margin, but after a couple of years, all of a sudden he's being elected by you know ninety nine percent of the people, but they all live in squalor. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. So I think that that's that's an example of, of what the road we could travel down if we don't look back and we don't put to rest some of these concerns about election fraud and what it did to the elections. I think we could probably all agree that there were some kind of shenanigans. That shouldn't happen again. Uh, I do want people to have faith in our elections. I think it's really important. When I vote, I want to make sure that my vote is counted and it's counted properly. And now I will let Shirley take us out. Thank you, Corey, for coming on and talking to us and being willing to just open up a little bit about yourself and about what your campaign is doing right now. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. The website came up today, finally. Uh, And the website is? Oh, yeah, that's helpful, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Corey for SenateWI.com. Okay. Well, thank you, Corey, very much. Cheryl, it was a pleasure as always. You've been listening to the Cheryl and Shirley Show. We are done for the day, and may you all have a wonderful evening. Over and out.